another community is in disbelief, shocked by devastating violence. We've come to the conclusion this is just absolutely pure evil. This has been a day we've seen the worst in humanity. Tomorrow is going to bring out the best in humanity as we come together to move forward from this unspeakable tragedy. You're listening to Darkest America and the Way Out. This is a Lord's Army Radio Dispatch. In this particular series, we're going to highlight some of the problems facing our country. And we're going to discuss the ultimate solutions. Get ready for Darkest America and the Way Out from lordsarmy.org. This is a listener-supported podcast. In Revelation 2... Our Lord dictates a letter to the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus had some amazing leadership, being led at one point or another by a who's who among the early church, including two apostles. The church was incredibly theologically sound, and indeed our Lord praises the church for their discernment. But then he gives this dire warning. I'm reading from the NASB. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you, and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. While they were theologically sound, the church at Ephesus had grown cold, Their vigorous zeal for the gospel had succumbed to isolationism. This is a great temptation for theologically-minded congregations. It can be tempting to focus so much on our own holiness that we forget that we are on the battlefield and that people all around us are dying every day. So what's the story for the Church of Ephesus? Did they turn it around or did they lose their lampstand? Sadly, despite having such church leadership at the start, like the Apostle Paul, Timothy, and the Apostle John, by the second century, the Christian church in Ephesus was gone. Even today, located in modern-day Turkey, Christianity remains officially illegal and is only practiced by less than 0.2% of the population. Their lampstand was removed. Now, I would like to introduce you to someone. All right, so tell me, who are you? Uh, I'm your cousin. Yes. And uh, that's how we know each other, and that's good. (laughs) Um, No, I'm Ross Smith. Um, I'm pastor of Worship and Families at Grace Baptist West Asheville. Um, I have a wife named Sarah and two little girls. One's five and the other three months. Uh, my five-year-old's name Autumn, and my three-month-old's name Edith. Uh, we've been here in West Asheville since October of 2018, and uh, yes, we're serving in a revitalization called Grace Baptist um, in the heart of West Asheville. Asheville is a city that is well known for being unique in the region. Uh, at our church, we have an older congregation, and they. Uh, will tell you about the glory days of uh, how it used sure. to be. So uh, Asheville's divided by the French Broad River. Uh, 
uh, east and west. And west was the blue collar side, um, very um, tradesman oriented, uh, small homes. Uh, essentially, if you needed something done and you lived in East, east Asheville, you'd cross the river and get it done. But essentially, um, there, there, there's an older lady in our church that used to talk about uh, going to homeroom in high school, um, and this was back when there was only one high school in Asheville, and they'd make fun of her in homeroom. Well, how'd you get here? You swim the river, you know. So there was this stigma in West Asheville. Um, that, uh, in turn, as the culture started to change here, uh, academia came in. There were a lot of uh, implants as well from other parts of the country because this is a beautiful area the mountains and for sure um things like that and of course the the cheapest way uh, to get real estate in, in a place is to buy from the blue collar folk right. um so a lot of those implants moved here um and, <coughs> and with it brought a lot of influence from some other areas where uh outside of the bible belt you know so um, churches who uh, were established because of the status quo um, lost uh, reasons for uh, the hope that is within them. And when criticism came, uh, there was a struggle to, to keep the faith. So um, there's been a steady decline for many decades here in West Asheville uh, of the gospel. Um, steady decline in church attendance. Um, and a rise in the culture of liberalism. Doesn't that story sound familiar? Fifty years ago, Asheville would have been considered the very heart of the Bible Belt geographically and spiritually. Sadly, however, the temptation towards insularism prevailed. You have a uniqueness here in western North Carolina. Uh, to talk about uh, you know, being in the Bible Belt, that's broadly speaking in the South, right? Um, but here in Western North Carolina, it's even more unique. Um, you have uh, churches here who uh, were for lack of a pastor, and there were so many of them, uh, so many congregations here. Uh, you also have, uh, so in Baptist churches, you have congregationalism. So you, you hear about church splits and things like that. Right. Um, and that just multiplies churches here, but it doesn't multiply Christians, right? Um, so... It, it, when you have fellowships like this without a pastor, they need to bring up uh, a pastor, and they're appointing pastors uh, simply just to have one, not ones that are uh, qualified, not ones that are educated or can teach the scriptures, and that's also been a problem in Western North Carolina. Sure. Um, and that leads to uh, a plethora of issues, but frankly, just the loss of God's word um, being proclaimed in truth. What's the cure for the problem facing an area that can largely be considered post-Christian? And kind of the implant culture has brought in uh, a plethora of, of new ideas that weren't, weren't here originally. Um, and it actually makes for a great mission field um, today. Um, so we at Grace are, are hoping to restore uh, the scriptures and people's minds and hearts um, and equip them to be on mission right here at home. What's the cure for the problem facing an area that can largely be considered post-Christian? It is the proclamation of the word um, and and all of God's counsel. Um, 
the Lord in, in the Great Commission uh, tells us we're to teach all that he has commanded us. Um, so uh, at the heart of that, of course, is is uh, the central message of the gospel. How, how can one be saved? Um, you have uh, people here who have an exposure to evangelicalism. There's people here who are... Um, and and this is countrywide, not just Asheville, but um, and in the world, uh, even um, the gospel has been proclaimed uh, in a great deal of places. Um, and uh, for the most part, here there's this uh, sense that um, Christianity can be rejected because of its cultural uh, stigmas. And um, what we want to do is is proclaim the truth uh, and essentially. Uh, lay the lay the groundwork that uh, each one of us is created in the in- image of God. Uh, each one of us is a sinner. Um, if we believe in a holy God, then we must be reconciled to Him, not by works, but by faith and um, a means that He has given, which is the blood of His Son. Um, and uh, proclaiming that uh, truth here is. As foreign, uh, I mean, you could speak gibberish, you know. Uh, it's it's as sure. foreign to uh, some people, the proclamation of grace. Um, and, and that in itself is a testament to, to a lack of mission uh, in the church um, in America for many years. Um, the fact that people in, in this community um, don't know what grace is while they, they seemingly know Christianity enough to reject it is a problem. Street preaching can get a bad rap because it's often associated with an unloving, hate-filled message. But that's not the gospel. It doesn't have to be that way. So I've heard uh, around here, actually, that uh, there was a uh, kind of, uh, I I assume, uh, you know, independent fundamentalist uh, fellow uh, who paid for, uh, prior to having, <laughs> having uh, more technology, paid for large megaphones to be installed on the top of his uh, car. And he would actually drive through West Asheville, only West Asheville, and uh, proclaim, uh, you know, hellfire and, and uh, depravity and and, right. and sin, of, of course. Um, but there was a, a lack of good news, you know, yeah, that, right. you know. Exactly. <laughs> Um, which is, which is, a, you know, that's the gospel, right? Right. Um, so here, actually, there there are a plethora of, or at least in its history, a plethora of uh, street preacher examples uh, like that sure. uh, that create a create a problem for uh, people like myself and and others who want to proclaim uh, the word. Now, the issue with that is. Uh, we can't shy away from the bad news, sure, right. uh, because there's n- there is no reason for the good news, um, and uh, that that's uh, what we're uh, challenged with in street preaching. Is is that uh, in a relatively short amount of time, I've heard um, uh, from sixty seconds down to ten seconds, uh, you are to give statements of good news and and bad news, or or bad news and good news in that order. Um, in such a way that it, it piques enough interest that people stick around to listen. Yeah. Um, 
you can imagine how challenging that is. That's different than uh, Sunday morning preparation. That's different yeah, right. than, yeah. uh, exactly. you know, in a discussion setting. Um, I've also heard uh, good examples of people doing conversational uh, street preaching where uh, you open it up to the crowd that that is before you uh, as to what they want to discuss, uh, things that they want to ask questions about, and you answer with the scriptures. Um, of course, that leads to uh, getting to the gospel. You have to be very good at conversational evangelism uh, right. while doing that, um, but you do it in such a way that others can hear, um, and I think that's that's a good way of, uh, of doing street preaching today. Proclaiming the word in public places is just one way to share the gospel, and we do see it all over Scripture. But perhaps even less known is the proclamation of the gospel in private settings. So you see this in the early church as well. Um, just a, a use of, of your home, your resources, your time, talent, and resources uh, to proclaim the gospel. You're inviting others into your normal life. Um, and this uh, has been called relational evangelism in the past. Uh, you know, you try to establish a relationship and you do this long-term uh, effort of sharing the gospel with them. Uh, now there's some baggage that comes with relational evangelism because it's been done poorly as well, um, where it isn't gospel centered. It's it's a, it's a journey to the gospel, right. and and I wouldn't uh, hold that as an event evangelistic method or, there's or, no gospel or mission. There. Right, a, right. No, there's, there's no evangelism going on. Exactly. There needs to be the gospel now, um, and uh, you know there there's a great book. Um, by Rosaria Butterfield called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Uh, I took a statement from that, and I, I just hold it and and throw it out there loosely all the time. Um, in Christian hospitality, the goal is making strangers friends and friends the family of God. Mm. Um, so in, in the midst of that, uh, you, when you establish relationships, or at least when uh, my wife and I do, it's very apparent to the person we're establishing a relationship with that we are Christian, we're gospel-centered, we live on mission, and you're a part of that. Right. Um, and that feels uh, strange uh, to some people. Um, it is um, a challenge with many uh, to establish a relationship when it's based on that. Um, but uh, that is... But it's really more honest. Like, I, I look at that as almost... Um more honest than having this like hidden ulterior motive right it's not a bait and switch exactly you know which is often what happens you know I invite somebody over for dinner and then it's all it's almost like an intervention like when they get there right it's, yeah it's much more i think um, i don't know just more honest and open to be like hey let's let's you know have a bible study this this monday night or this tuesday night sure um and come over yeah, for a person that is gospel-centered, it's um, incarnational ministry. You're just being a Christian next to a non-Christian, um, and in word and deed. So uh, in the midst of that, uh, there there's naturally going to be uh, issues where you, you sin or, or you uh, fall short in front of that person. Sure. Um, and that in itself is a, is a means uh, to proclaiming the gospel. 
you know, uh, to talk about forgiveness, to talk about sin, and how much we need grace uh, as Christians. Um, the the need for the the sinner and and for the Christian is no different because you're both sinners, right? <laughs> right. Um, so uh, we need Christ as much uh, now as before uh, we were saved, right? Um, so that. Uh, that is the idea behind Christian hospitality is just giving um, um, opportunities to proclaim the gospel uh, in your everyday life by inviting others in. Um, I use the definition um, advancing the mission of Christ by inviting others into gospel intentioned life. Um, so the goal is advancing the mission of Christ. That's, that's initial. Or what are you doing in this discipline? You're advancing the mission of Christ. So um, you're living on mission you're you're expanding the kingdom you're you're growing the kingdom you're serving christ um how do we do that by inviting others now uh, others is uh, a loose word right it's it's kind of universal right um so we can use that for christians we can use it for non-christians uh, i think t- today our our goal is to talk about how do we advance the mission uh with unbelievers um but by saying others we're saying uh uh, weak Christians, strong Christians, um, friends, family, and neighbors, yeah. um, prisoners, right? Um, the oppressed, uh, the orphan and the widow, uh, the stranger. So um, inviting others into gospel intention life. Well, what kind of life is a Christian supposed to have other than gospel intention? Right. Um, we, we rest in grace. We rest in uh, forgiveness. Um, we walk in faith, uh, those types of things. Now, um, it just makes sense with all of your time spent living a gospel intention life uh, that it would lead to amazing opportunities for evangelism and mission if there was someone there to see it. Right. Right? Uh, So it's important to invite others into that. Your life, in public and in private, should be gospel-centered. You should focus on your own personal holiness and your own personal walk with God. And with that, do not forget your first love. Do not forget the gospel and those around you that need to hear it. Thank you to Ross Smith and thank you for listening. This concludes this particular dispatch from the front lines of the Lord's Army. If you want more information or content, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Apply what you have learned in this episode. Remember, you do not become a great man or woman in Christ without taking action. One easy way you can help spread the gospel right now is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, just by liking us and leaving us a review, you can have a massive impact in how many people we reach. Go out there. Take action. Join the battle. LordsArmy.org.